Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am not Simone de Rochefort because she is in La Paris, uh, but I am Christina <laughs> Warren, a senior uh, tech. Uh, uh, oh my God, I just lost, I forgot my own title. <laughs> senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. Uh, I was going to say senior tech correspondent at Mashable, but that is that has not been my title in <laughs> That's like been years. Like three jobs ago. I know, Christina. I know, yeah. I know exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, senior cloud advocate at uh, Microsoft, and I am joined today by my co-host Brianna Wu, Democratic Woo. candidate for Congress, and Jeff Wong, who is a uh, Jeff. Uh, um, what title do you want us to use? Ah, I am an AI consultant at Mindscale.ai. Uh, AI consultant at mindscale.ai. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Smile and Fracture. Yeah. All right. So Simone isn't here this week, which, you know, is always a bummer, but Jeff is here, which is great. And actually, fun story, because Jeff and I, we haven't ever been on the pod together, but we used to work together. That's right. Or at least at the same company, and we used to get lunch together. So yes, this is really it fun. Was one of the things I like most about Microsoft, um, oh. I went from listening to Christina on Rocket to you know reaching out to her when she joined Microsoft, and then we had lunch quite a lot actually during the time we overlapped, and we got to trade a lot of information and learn about like you know developer ad- advocacy and sharing all the great stuff that happened was happening around the company, and also talk about Taylor Swift and other gossip. Yes, yes, always. <laughs> is that what happens? Like you start Microsoft, they're like, okay, you got dental, you got vision, and Christina Warren is included in your uh, employee benefits package. Like, <laughs> oh, it's yes, just yes. all right there. Yeah, and, oh. and, 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 if, and if, if, if I'm part of the benefits package, then like it's a known thing that Taylor Swift is part of the conversation. So <laughs> it's just what happens. Absolutely. Just letting you know. All right. So this week, um, it is uh, is is everybody's favorite time of year? It is CES. Or uh, I, I I don't even think they use the Consumer Electronics Show moniker anymore. I think it's just CES now. But but CES, the 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 big tech show of the year that takes place in Vegas. Um, I'm very glad not to have to be in Vegas right now. I'm going to be honest with you all. Um, but uh, every year CES, there's cool stuff. There's not cool stuff. There's weird stuff. And this year we've got kind of a, a there's there's controversies, <laughs> and this year we've kind of got a, a a mashup of some of those different things, right? Like, yeah. Um, what were some of the, what are some of the first? Let's just kind of start this out. What are some of the cool things? Um, that you all kind of seen from the CES coverage. I have to be honest. I am. I live for the CES coverage. I live for it every year because. Every reporter doesn't want to be there. They're <laughs> right. kind of throwing low-level shade on Twitter. I have not seen one thing that excites me at all. I mean, am I just jaded at this point? Am I wrong? No. I mean, it's weird, right? Like, actually, today, I saw a couple of stories on Gizmodo about some beauty product things that I actually was excited about. One was, uh, like, Olay, like, like Oil of Olay, like, the, the skincare thing had this device that basically is, it's it's designed to get you to buy moisturizer, but I guess they would use, like, sensors and stuff to use AI to predict, like, what your face will look like with and without moisturizer in 20 years to convince you to, oh, no. to moisturize. Oh, that's so mean. Oh, uh, it, it is, but also that yeah. seemed awesome. But there was this other thing um, that looked really cool. It was kind of like a, uh, a real world um, Photoshop brush where they use like a combination of, of light um, and, and uh, therapies and like a um, makeup 
to basically, uh, you know, cast out blemishes and skin marks and stuff. It's called an Opti and it's basically like a, a, a beauty wand. And apparently it's really cool. It's like it uses a micro printer that, that corrects spots. Like it'll basically do a scan over your skin. And when it finds an area that doesn't match the rest, it'll basically correct that spot using uh, like a, a special serum that has like mineral-based pigments and moisturizers and spot lightning ingredients. And wow. anyway, uh, uh, Victoria uh, Song at Gizmodo, who wrote about this, she said that it was like magic and that she was really skeptical until she saw it on her skin and on other people's. And she was like, okay, this is legit cool. Um, and it uses LED monitors, uh, LEDs and things like that too. So who knows how well this actually works, but she said it looked really cool. There's no price or release date. But that was so one of the things. So is it like a robot arm that puts this on there? No, what, no, is it's it just like a, a wand you, you hold in your hand. Here, I'll send you really? a, a link uh, in, in the uh, chat. Um, it's just like a... a, a um, like a wand you use like in your hand that has like lights and I guess like like makeup in it that kind of I don't know it, it looks it, it it feels like witchcraft and I'm a fan <laughs> so that's one of those things where it's like okay I'm down with like the this makeup thing um, I like that yeah. uh, but and and also and we're going to talk about some, the controversy in in a little bit but actually this controversial product I'm actually all about that too but yep. otherwise yeah I mean. Everybody, from what everybody has said, even more than other years, like there's always kind of the meme that like this is like CES is dead now, but it really is starting to feel like CES is dead. Uh, yeah. Jeff, what are your thoughts? You know, it's funny, even though I've been in the tech industry for a couple of decades, I've never been nearly as much as a gadget uh, person as uh, either of you folks or many of my other friends. And so, and, and, and that combined with the fact that, you know, I've been a longtime follower um, and I guess self-admitted fanboy of Apple, <laughs> CES has yeah. never quite meant as much to me. I was always amused that, you know, Apple would often have their Macworld events and things right around January and would yeah. often suck up a lot of the oxygen, both from the media, but also just in terms of, you know, I'm, I was biased, like introducing cool new things. Like the iPhone was introduced, I guess, what is it, 12 years ago now in January of 2007. Yeah. And it was during CES. Yeah, like like it's it, Apple. A, Apple has never been at CES, right? But they have always right. been kind of this um, outwardly presence. I mean, if they have been there, has been right. through partners like, a like ghost the HomeKit, almost hanging over Las Vegas. Oh, completely. And in fact, I mean, like you said, it was twelve years ago that the iPhone was announced, and it was announced at MacWorld in right. um, San Francisco. So right. it was announced. Like you had most of the reporters were stuck at CES. You had some of the ones that are at MacWorld, and you could kind of this was. Before I was I was in the tech journalism stuff, but right. it was um, one of those things where it was like everybody who was not at the iPhone launch and was stuck at CES, you you could get the palpable sense that they all, that they all like wanted to die. They're like, I cannot <laughs> believe I'm here and not there, you know. And then That's it was harsh. funny because, but it's true, right? Because you have like, can you imagine missing the biggest tech launch? of our of our time announcement because you're you're in Vegas and you got all these other but imagine even worse if you're a company who's announcing your phone at CES in 2007 oh, no, like right. so what what are you doing i remember one year um i i might have told the story i'm not going before i don't know this was in i think it was in 2010 it might have been no it was 2011 um and i was at CES and Motorola was having some sort of event and they were showing off maybe it was a 4G phone. I don't remember what the deal was. And at the same time, Apple sent out invites for some sort of New York event that was going to be taking place in February. And they sent out the invites 
during CES. And at that point, it was very clear that this was going to be the long-awaited Verizon iPhone announcement. Oh, that's and right. I was in like line or maybe I had just gotten into the Motorola, pre- you know, like room where they're doing their presentation. And I saw this on Campfire because this is before the days of, of Slack. And I saw this on Campfire and it came out and I asked my editor, I was like, well, I can't, you know, because internet coverage wasn't, wasn't that solid or whatever. I was like, well, do you want me to go into the hall and, and write this right at the Apple News or do you want me to stay and cover the Motorola announcement? <laughs> and he was like, go on the hall and write up the Apple thing. Wow. And wow. probably half of us, I'm not even joking, probably left the room before the conference, before the, the press conference even started because the Apple News took precedent. Yeah. Uh, even though they weren't at the show. And, and, and other things like that happened over the years. But this year, uh, Apple actually was kind of they at trolled CES. Them. They trolled them. Yeah. yeah. I love this. Yeah. 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 So uh, tell, us, tell us what they did, Bree. So basically, they're outside the building. They're like, yeah, we're not at CES, but we're all, we're going to dominate CES. So they put out this uh, giant ad on the side of a hotel. It's like, at Apple, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone or something to yeah. that effect. Basically, that was such just a great master, ad. I know. Completely. It's just master blasting the rest of the, the industry about privacy. And I just, yeah, I thought it was so dead on. I mean, this is why I stick with Apple like more than anything else. Totally. And and I thought a really, really good in really good juxtaposition because Google has really been all out with everything Google Assistant um and Google Home at CES this year. You know, um it's been the last few years that like the big story of CES has been um Alexa and, and the the Amazon Echo products. But yep. this year uh Google Assistant was just everywhere. So I think that was a really smart play for them to have. Um and then what they also announced, you know, because TVs are obviously a big part of, of CES um, and, you know, for, for good or for bad, as much as, as it changes, it becomes more of a car show, becomes, you know, less more more weird tech, whatever, you're always going to have TVs. And, um, you know, this kind of uh, uh, carries on to what we were talking about last week with the um, sales um, projections, you know, the, the, the quarter, the earnings report being... Uh, yeah. redefined and 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 Apple's pivot to having you know make services be a bigger part of their business um Samsung Vizio and LG TVs are all getting AirPlay 2 support mm-hmm. and also getting uh you know access to um like iTunes meaning they can access you know movies from your your iTunes library um yeah. which is a pretty I have big thoughts deal about this yeah, well, I mean what, I'd, what do you think about I'd this love to- well, I'd love to know what both of you think about it. Um, for me, like I find value in the Apple TV. I do. It's the thing in my house I use the most. I use it for YouTube. It's a fantastic interface for YouTube. So um, on one hand, uh, I, I like the fact that, um, you know, like, I get all of my movies on iTunes. That's like where I've like built my library, my collection, and more than anything else, that's where it is. And I like the idea of this being built into my TV. But um, you know, I was uh I was actually planning on buying a television this week. And at first I was planning on buying a Vizio. And I saw uh 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 The Verge basically talking about some of the the privacy uh mm-hmm. lawsuits that have happened where basically you have uh, makers that will spy on the things that you're watching and basically sell that information and also serve you up ads. So, um, you know, for me, I, 
I my initial reaction is I'm glad some people will have access to their iTunes library. At the same time, it's like you know, this is just asking for all these third parties to like basically um, sell all of that information. What are you watching? When are you watching it? How long are you doing it? And I just think Apple TV is, it's a flawed product, but it's a good product. And I certainly plan to keep connecting that up to my TV. Uh, how how did you feel about it, Jeff? I have a couple of thoughts. Um, first of all, I used to have a couple of different inputs, uh, or, you know, HDMI input one, whatever, <laughs> to yeah. uh, my television. But uh, after I moved back to the Bay Area uh, from Seattle, where, you know, uh, Christian and I used to be uh, co-workers, <laughs> um, I decided to simplify, uh, a la Marie Kondo. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now um, I've gotten rid of all my inputs, except for the Apple TV. And yeah. part of it just for simplicity, and I'll talk about that in a second, but part of it is exactly, exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I didn't feel great having my TV internet connected. And, you know, whether it's fair or not, because honestly, I haven't done like, you know, a penetration testing, like a personal evaluation of the Apple TV, but I'm using the trust I have in Apple's brand about protecting uh, user privacy to assume that if the only input and output to my TV is Apple TV, I'm relatively uh, more protected. So I want to say a couple of things actually related to um, the, the uh, the the convenience so because there's two benefits there's a privacy and convenience thing I'm going to come back to convenience in a moment but one other aspect of privacy um, I think I mentioned in my previous appearance is that I always try to think about systems and incentives and not just you know is an actor or a company like particularly evil but like what systems or, or, or institutions are they responding to and so often like. This, this intersection between three things, the business model, uh, the technology that's available, and then sort of like the regulatory and uh, uh, ethical environment, they all have to come to interplay. And what I mean by that is like, I think uh, the reason why, and I think some of the articles talking about CES and all these like cool new smart TVs and internet connected TV products, uh, they said, look, it's a very low margin business selling these amazingly technically sophisticated, beautiful TVs, but they can they can't charge very much because it's a race to the bottom. It's so competitive. And so therefore, that's why they justify to themselves that um, we need to resell some of this user data, this viewing habits for target advertising. And it actually echoes an earlier period in PCs. Uh, one of the differences between Macs and, and uh, Windows PCs was that uh, although Microsoft and Intel made a ton of money because they had really large margins, it was like a race to the bottom for all the PC box makers, you know, it was a Dell, Gateway, um, compact everyone else. And so that's why they would load it on with, you know, ultimately called bloatware or crapware because the PC makers had to find some revenue sources otherwise. And so I'm, I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's not just like, oh, you know, certain companies, they just don't care about your privacy. It's because they're trying in this competitive market to, to, to find some leverage. I'm not excusing it, by the way. And in fact, that's, I think, why I think government has to have a role because that can even the playing field and get away from these coordination problems. Um, uh, but, but it's, it's something I think about. I, I have some more stuff to say about the Apple TV convenience thing, but I don't want to keep going on. And, and that, that was one of the things I was thinking about, about the privacy No, I stuff. think you're dead on. One of the things that Neelai over at The Verge was talking about was he kind of had a conversation with Vizio about this. And, 
you know, the CEO of Vizio is like, look, this is a, a t- cutthroat margin business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's 6% profits over here. And if we can sell it a little bit of a discount and then, you know, make some ads on it, then everybody wins. We can sell cheaper TVs and, you know, this works for people. So I, I, I think you're really right. That's just the incentive of this market where people don't want to pay a lot of money. That's actually the, exactly the article I was thinking of. Thank you for oh, bringing that up. Well, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and I I mean I agree with all that, and it's interesting because for years we've kind of had to write about um, the, the the TV spying on you thing, and, and Vizio has been embroiled in those scandals, and Samsung has, and there have been other you know companies, and and some of the stuff you know you can like turn off, right? Like it's it's things that'll maybe kind of monitor what you're watching, and you can go through your settings and figure out a way to turn it off, and then sometimes they're even more insidious, and you don't really know, and 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 certainly you know um, I don't want to in any way um, promote. Uh, xenophobia, because I do think that a lot of it is xenophobic when we talk about, you know, like the the role of of Chinese electronics makers um, and, and, you know, people being, I think, in some cases, overly cautious about, you know, devices from those manufacturers versus others, because there's, to me, there's not really a direct correlation there. But if you look at the big market trend, you know, like the biggest TV makers are people like TCL and, and, and Hisense and, and others that you might not even know their names, but they're the ones who sell the most TVs. And, you know, and these, these are Chinese companies. And so those are things you're, you need to think about if you're putting a smart TV in your home is who's having access to this information, how is it being used, what's actually being captured, et cetera. Um, I'm bothered by it. I, I'm definitely more comfortable if those are things that can be turned off. I also feel like no matter who you buy a TV from, you don't necessarily have a way to opt out of that. And getting yeah. a dumb TV, in my opinion, is not necessarily a a good move because unless you're – a lot of times the, the quality might not necessarily be any better. And and I'm not convinced that those things aren't going to have, you know, things that kind of spy on you either. I would also point out that whether your TV has those things in them or not, depending on what sort of set-top box you have and what the settings are on, on those services, there's analytic data – you know, from all the services you you use that are going somewhere as well, right? So um, these are all things to keep in mind. Um, From what it looks like, it looks like Apple's agreement with these companies is not to sell or provide any information about the iTunes aspects of the service that you're using. So I think that's a good Mm -hmm. thing. Um, I also think that even though I really like my Apple TV as a product, I think it's right now completely overpriced. And how much is it these days? Is it, it, it 149? It's 149 for the basic thing, one like 70 if you get it more with more download space. And then the 4K no one is between 180 and 200. Really? And yes. It hasn't Gotta come down Apple. at all. Well, and I'm sorry, but $200 for uh, Apple TV 4K is too much money. Um, I yeah, think that for I that, for, I think that for that money, what you should do if you're really interested in a 4K playback machine is you should look at getting a Roku 4K. Those are really good. An NVIDIA Shield a um, uh, or, or a Microsoft Xbox One S. The One S is going to have 4K playback for, for Netflix and Amazon and all that stuff and also play um, 4K um, a Blu-ray. So, um, and it's a game console. Like that to me is a much better device than the Apple TV is. And so uh, in terms of just value, like I really love my Apple TVs, but it's hard to justify that price point, right? Like it, 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 in fact, I don't think it is justifiable um, unless you're all in on the ecosystem. And even if you're all in on the ecosystem with things like Movies Anywhere and obviously now this broader AirPlay 2 and iTunes support, to me, that's indicative. It's a good thing that Apple is finally kind of admitting 
that if it, it seems to me as they're saying, okay, you know, if we want our services business to really be a meaningful part of our revenue, then we have to be on more than just our own devices. And so you see that with them putting Apple Music on, um, you know, the um, Amazon devices. Which and I think s- is huge, right? Because the whole idea, sorry to interrupt, was just that, um, you know, it, the, the, the question was, which is the razor and which is the razor blade? Is, I, is, is Apple Music supposed to differentiate their hardware HomePod or vice versa? Was the HomePod supposed to be special for Apple Music? And now it seems like the dog that's wagging tail should really be Apple Music which means, going to what you said, they need to have it run on more devices than just Completely. the Completely. Which, I mean, in, 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 in all fairness, is what every other company figured out years before Apple did, right? Like Netflix, it, part of the reason Netflix is so ubiquitous is because very early on, they made the um, strategic decision and the very smart decision to be on as many devices as possible. It actually got to the point Netflix is now pulled back and is much more selective about what devices it will be on or at least let people like advertise you know, their compatibility. But for a long time, basically... You know, anybody who wanted to put Netflix on their device, Netflix was like, go for it, you know, and, and, and Spotify yeah. has done the same thing. So if Apple wants people to use their, what all people are, are, are predicting to be their new video service, if they want them to use AirPlay 2, if they want them to use Apple Music, it's going to need to be on devices that people have. And the reality is, is that as much money as Apple makes, they don't have market share in the set-top box market. They don't have market share even in the phone market. That's why Apple Music is on Android. And they certainly don't have market share in the smart speaker market. So if they want people to actually use those things, they need to be available on more devices. And as somebody who has 436 movies in iTunes, I just looked, which Oh, is, my goodness. I know. That's I know. a lot. I'm impressed. Um, That's a good That's collection. amazing. Yeah, and most of them are purchases this year through like $5 sales and stuff. But still... Still. Oh, my gosh. Um, still. Like, let's not do the math on how much Christina has spent on movies. Um, let's really not. Um, let's. Let's. I think <laughs> listeners would do that. Guess how much Christina has in Twitter. No, oh, God. Yeah, this like, could be like, the next rocket contest. Like, like, yeah, right, seriously, right. Like thousands on iTunes. It's ridiculous. But I'm glad that it's there. So anyway, yes. I want to talk about the worst of CES. Yes. yes. But, 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 but before we do that, let's real quickly talk about uh, Smile and their great app, PDF Pen. So this episode of Rocket is brought to you by PDF Pen, which is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs from our great friends over at Smile. And so using PDF Pen, you can say goodbye to having to fill out and then completely, uh, you know, like, you can completely go paperless because you can like say goodbye to having to fill out forms. So uh, you don't have to deal with scanning and OCR. Um, uh, You can do uh, markup and highlighting of PDFs. You can search and redact sensitive information like account numbers. You can correct text in the PDF even um, without the original. And you can do stuff like, you know, insert, remove and reorder pages. You can adjust images. You can record and playback audio annotations. So that's super cool. Watermark through PDFs. And if that wasn't enough, you can get even more features with PDF Pen Pro, which will let you create fillable PDF forms even automatically. So it'll kind of like automatically see where the spaces are and let you fill in those forms. Create and edit tables of contents. You can convert websites into PDFs. You can edit document permissions and pretty much anything you ever wanted to do with a PDF. And great news for lovers of dark mode, and I'm definitely on the dark mode train, uh, <laughs> PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro version 10.2 include support for dark mode on Mojave. Plus, there's smoother scrolling, faster thumbnail drawing, and increased maximum zoom. So basically, if you deal with PDFs at all, 
you need PDF Pen. And you can learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash rocket. That's smilesoftware.com slash rocket. And our thanks to PDF Pen for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Go PDF Pen. Yeah. Uh, as I, I've said this before, but it's like if you need a PDF app, uh, especially a Mac OS, it's really good. And it's, uh, it prevents you from having to spend a lot of money on Acrobat and go through all that stuff. It's, oh, God. Well, especially with the Paul Manafort thing this week. <laughs> like, it oh my showed goodness. the limitations of Adobe Acrobat. If Rocket listeners don't know. Like, oh, my gosh. With the, with the reaction tried, thing? Yeah, yeah they, used, uh, they used Acrobat to try to redact some information. <laughs> and people are just <laughs> copying and pasting it. And it's like, oh, here's all the secret stuff they tried to hide so top notch top notch legal team uh, yes all Christina, right how many movies did you say you had by the way uh 436 okay i'm at 175 and i just checked i have 2,000 separate episodes of different tv shows okay so you have me definitely beat on that because i don't have that many tv shows okay well, I still you you were the movie queen you're film girl i am for film a girl reason, for a so. reason um yeah. So, all right. You wanted to talk about worst of CES. Let's get into it. Okay. Okay. My favorite topic about CES before we get into the controversy. <laughs> I cannot wait for the controversy. Oh my God. The controversy is so good. <laughs> I've been so <laughs> eager all week, all week to talk about this. Okay. I want to bring you guys back to a magical time in 1999 where uh, The Onion, our very our finest news source, Prophecy this week in CES. <laughs> Excuse me. With this headline: New e-toilet to revolutionize revolutionize online, and then the S word. Um, and they predicted that one day we were going to be putting out e-toilets, and then this week at CES they debuted the thing we've all been waiting for: the Nirvana of the tech industry. A $7,000 or 9000 depending on how many options you get. The pro version. E, e, right, right. E-toilet with lights built into it, with speakers built into it, and Alexa built into it. Oh, my God. It. <laughs> Whoa. Like, can you even process this? Like, I cannot. I, I'm trying to imagine who they think this is for. I, I, I like, can you help me? Can someone help me understand? Because I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jeff probably knows more rich people than, than <laughs> I do. Jeff, who, who would buy a $9,000 toilet that has like blingy lights and, um, Alexa, you know. and Alexa. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't know that the people I know are simultaneously rich enough and ridiculous enough to get this but maybe you know i'm i'm, I'm underestimating the, the 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 judgment of the people i know it's just it's i don't even know where to begin with this product um i, I mean i guess the, the, nothing says ces than a nine thousand yeah. dollar toilet that has yeah, alexa. Uh, alexa and multicolored lights uh connected you could say Alexa flush and <laughs> flush the toilet. Um, and apologies to any listeners whose uh, echoes we just set off oh, incidentally. I'm so sorry. Uh, that's okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, I just want to yeah. point that out. But yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that, okay. I mean, that would be kind of cool. But at the same time, we just talked about privacy and the fact that these things are listening right. to you. Like, I kind of, I mean, like, I understand having smart speakers in the bathroom because it's a great way to listen to music. 
but I kind of like feel feel weirded out by like having it on my toilet. I don't know. Yes. That's just like asking for your entire career and life to be destroyed. <laughs> like it just is. And you know, the the company that's bringing this out, uh Kohler, like they really do make good products for the home. Like they're a 150-year-old, yeah. like very traditional uh plumbing company. But it's like this is not I I am very underconvinced on the utility of smart devices when it comes to like your faucet and your toilet. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, just don't see it. I mean, yeah. I've seen. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't think it was Kohler, uh, but it was someone. It was. It was. It was a brand similar. Did um had like a a, a shower system at CES uh, when I was there two years ago that was ridiculously expensive and it had the same sort of thing where you could talk to it and it would adjust the temperature by certain times and auto set things and have I mean it was a ridiculous setup and it but it but it seemed kind of swank right like you could kind of understand you're like all right well I will never have enough money to to afford something like this but I can understand for the the you know the millionaires and billionaires out there cool but this because people can send and and do spend a lot of money on on toilets. Usually, sure. it's about things like you know you have like a heated seat and you have a certain type of you know maybe bidet set up and you have all these other features and it'll like dry things for you and do all that. But I don't know. It's the 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 lights that I'm going to be honest just seems like the least important part of the process yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and and I, I I'm with you. I'm like I'm not understanding the utility of uh like having the smart assistant. Um in the commode. I just, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Or but the speaker too. Cause I'm like, I'm going to guess that if you have enough, the money for the $9,000 toilet, you probably have like a really good, like network Sound speaker system, system yeah. like in your bathroom yeah. that you're not going to yeah. need your toilet to do it. Um, also, can you imagine like when your toilet goes obsolete and stops getting updates? Like, <laughs> like it's bad enough with the fridge, right? But with the toilet, you're like, really? Because like, that's not one of those devices that you replace that often. Right. My toilet has been end of life. Right. Brianna, why are you late for Rocket today? I'm trying to download a patch for my toilet. Like, <laughs> it's patch day for my know, toilet. <laughs> it's patch day. Oh, I We've love got it. A really bad security vulnerability on my toilet. Oh, that's even worse, right? I mean, oh imagine like the hacking opportunities. Oh no. Oh god. Yeah, seriously, because if you get because if you get into that, like you're you're, you're really going to get all the crap. All right. All right. Oh no. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Enough. Enough. Let's enough. Talk enough about some let's, let's talk about some controversies. Let's talk about some controversies. All right. So. Um, uh, Jeff, do you want to introduce this story? Because you did a lot of sure. research I mean, it on seems this. like it's most important, uh, appropriate for me to bring it up. Yes, <laughs> honestly, it is. So yeah, do okay. it. No, but this is this is a great yeah. story. It, let's do it. Let's okay. Do it. So um, there was a startup uh, called uh, the Laura uh, Laura De Carlo. Um, it's a small, like you know, probably like. 10, 10, 15 person company at most. And they've had a Kickstarter funding where their goal was to optimize female orgasms. Now, before we begin to think, oh gosh, this is one of those crazy CES stories where, you know, the, uh, there are men designing products for women. Uh, it mm-hmm. actually seems to be very female-run uh, and very LGBTQ-friendly. Uh, uh, f- and um, 
it was basically as the companies the company said themselves. It's a a, a woman run and led company uh, building products for women, and uh, they have a really impressive background. Uh, the founder, uh, you know, uh, studied medicine and decided to, I guess, drop out of med school and to, to use uh, her knowledge of uh, physiology and psychology and you know and 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 sex to try to find a way to um to create a new vibrator or sex toy that would really uh, be able to uh, uh, provide both external and internal stimulation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but let me get to the controversy part. So, you know, there are, I don't know how many tens of thousands or more products introduced at CES every year. There's so many. And for many years, it was... Um, uh, it, it ran simultaneously to the uh, what was it uh, the, the, the the adult video uh, awards the ABN awards the event, yeah. the adult video awards so um, <laughs> so uh, in, in recent years the 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 CTA which is the Consumer Technology Association which runs CES has been trying to get away from those sort of porn and you know adult uh, associations and yet. Uh, when uh, Laura DiCarlo um, submitted this uh, uh, their their prototype product uh, as um, to the design awards um, at the, at CES, they were um, they were actually honored as having some of the most innovative, cutting edge technology involving robotics, uh, microfluidics, um, uh, you know, biomimicry. And then a month later, the award was rescinded, but. It, they didn't give really good reasons. And I think, ironically, in their attempt to try to um, distance themselves from what they think of as unsavory adult associations, they actually showed how backward the uh, CTA is. So, um, Debris, Christina, I'd love for you guys to weigh in. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, uh, like, 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 like Jeff was saying, you know, for, for years, um, the, the avian happened in Vegas at the same time as, as, as CES. The shows were not affiliated, to be clear, but it was one of those things where especially if you were like a, a young woman covering the show, uh, let's just say that the misogyny was even worse than usual because um, uh, men felt um, even more licensed to say really gross things to you. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of controversy over the years about booth babes. Um, uh, the, the, the CEA has taken steps over the years to decrease that, although you still have instances of, of those things happening. Um, but um, I mean, you know, I think that this is one of those interesting products where, you know, this is this is a personal massager. It's a it's, it's a sexual health product. It's using real tech. And um, the CEA's initial response was basically to say that, that, it, that they don't support things that are like immoral and, uh, you know, using kind of other terminology that was really, um, from my perspective, gendered in kind of their dismissal of this category. Um, and, and some people have said, oh, well, you know, it, it wasn't sexist because, you know, any sort of device like this would have, uh, you know, not won the award. And, and I, I don't know about that. Uh, definitely the way that it was rescinded seemed to be specifically not great, especially since, you know, even without the AVN stuff anymore, um, it's very frequent for, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh you know, VR porn uh, was the big thing at CES. Uh, in some years, you know, sex robots have been a thing. There, I saw one thing on on Sunday before the show even started. Uh, there was like a live stream that TechCrunch was doing. You know, talking again about sexual health, about uh, you know, some sort of a, a, a testicle um, uh, cooler for men, some sort of special type of underwear to help with productivity, uh, like reproductivity rather. And so it seems like that kind of stuff is kosher, but. 
God, uh, God forbid you, uh, you know, you design something for women. Um, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, it's, uh, it's immoral and, uh, uh, you know, doesn't represent the values of the CEA. The CEO of uh, the company actually published a letter, which I thought really pinpointed the hypocrisy really well. So if you don't mind, I'm just yeah, going to quote a, a part of it. So she says, men's sexuality is allowed to be explicit. Uh, so for example, at CES, there's a literal sex robot in the shape of unrealistically proportioned women and VR porn in a point of pride along the aisle. On the other hand, female sexuality is heavily muted, if not outright banned. You cannot pretend to be unbiased if you allow a sex robot for men, but not a vagina-focused robotic massager for blended orgasm, which is their, their term for this, right? The, the other thing that, that they said is, uh, let's see, uh, the, this, the CES and the supporting CTA association uh, dismissed this in- innovation in microrobotics and biomimicry because the technology is a pre- pleasure product. And that makes a strong statement. It seems that the CTA is fine with just, quote unquote, female-oriented products like breast pumps, Kegel exercisers, and even robotic vacuums, things that benefit someone else. But something that squarely focuses on women's sexuality is off the table. So, I mean, I couldn't say it better than that. No, I think that's dead on. And, you know, I think not everything is equal in this space. Like, if we're having conversations about booth babes, if we're having conversations about even VR porn, which, by the way, we covered very positively here on Rocket. Yes, yes. We are a very sex-positive show overall. But the reason... The reason you want to think about in how you're presenting that is if you're having booth babes, you can inadvertently create a space that feels like it's for men only. And Definitely. It, sends a, it sends a signal like women are not welcome here. I, I, Jeff, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but like it's not, I'm guessing they're marketing this with like, you know, magic mic on stage, right? <laughs> like, like I'm guessing it's like, look, this is a technical product that we have. Here it is. You know, I'm imagining it's not really being marketed or shown in a particularly lurid, lurid way. So it just, I, I think if this is something that makes you feel uncomfortable, I really feel like that says a lot more about you. And I also just have to say, I think a lot of men just don't understand that it can be harder for some women to orgasm than it is men. And Definitely. Is, it's, a, it's a sexual health thing. And, you know... Without a doubt. And, and I mean, again, I think that's, uh, I think is notable that so many of the members of this team are, um, are, are women, are, um, yep. uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ, um, uh, and are thinking about these issues because A, a lot of times the people who design, uh, you know, uh, sexual health products, even those for women, many times are men. And that can be okay. But I do sure. think that there's benefit to, to um, you know, to, to people who might have those experiences um, being part of the conversation. Um if I can say anything about this, it seems like I didn't know anything about this company, you know, until this controversy. So I have to give them immense credit for really capitalizing on, you know, the CEA reneging in such a terrible way to get yeah. them attention. I hope that it gets them funding. I hope that it gets them, you know, um, more people paying attention to it. Um, because these are areas that, you know, there's a lot of money involved in this, um, you know, and and uh, it, for, for for lots of reasons. And I think that the founder, you know, put it really well that that um, if if 
pleasure is at stake, then all of a sudden it's dirty, especially if it's women's pleasure. But if it's men's pleasure, then it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, we're we're gonna wink and nod as the CEA and let this be a big part of our conference and sell that up. You know, like like uh my friend Ray, you know, he was uh, his video that went viral a few years ago of him um, uh, looking at VR porn was even the video that he did for Mashable was even featured on, you know, at the Tonight Show. And, um, you know, you know, the CEA loved that. You know that anytime anybody was going on and talking about this stuff and, and, and mentioning these things in association with their conference, they love it because they're getting attention. So why is that okay? But this isn't, you know, I mean, that that to me is is what's ridiculous, especially since they they try to kind of walk back their critique after they got a lot of the blowback, but it was it was too late. And and my understanding is it's like, okay, you had if you if you the time to reject the application for it not fitting the bounds, like whatever their things would have been, would have been before you gave them the award, right? Like yeah. to me, that's the thing that that's Absolutely. so egregious. It's like if if you have if you really want to have the, the this take the stand as an organization that these are there are certain types of things we're not going to you know allow as submissions for our awards. Okay, cool. Like maybe we can quibble with whether that's fair or unfair, but fine. But you know, you make the, you, but you make the determination, you issue the award. And then it's only after you look at it and you're like, oh, well, we didn't realize that, you know, it was for orgasms. So, (laughs) so, so everything we said about the technical merit beforehand is now completely null and void because now it's immoral uh, and it goes against our values. It's like, really? Really? Yeah. 100% agreed. And this may be an off the wall take, but funnily enough, this makes me think of, of all things, enterprise software. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> whoa, whoa, okay. I'll bring it I back. I'll bring it back. One. I gotta Which hear is, this one. Yep. You know, uh, usually when you're buying a product in the home, uh, often it's for yourself or it might be, you know, someone as a gift for someone in your family, you know, like a parent for a kid or something like that. But in enterprise software, there's a difference between the decision maker who buys and budgets it, often in the IT department versus the end users. And I think one of the ways in which uh, this whole, you know, controversy has gone wrong is because um, for the first time, there are users, well, I shouldn't say first time. Um, This is an example of uh, women designing products for other women. They are both the users and the decision makers. And yet, um, I think... Uh, I can't help but think that the the CTA was so focused on thinking about like um, men's pleasure and men making the decision for this sort of thing that this sort of like really weirded them out. And uh, a a particular way of thinking about this is in the same founder's letter from uh, the company. Uh, They pointed out that in the 2019 uh, honorees of this innovation award for robotics and drones, they saw there were two robotic vacuum cleaners, uh, four children's toys, and one shopping companion. And the letter goes on to say, looks like all of women's interests are covered, right? Mm-hmm. It's because <laughs> these are all like, you know, uh, taken from the decision maker, which is presumed to be like the sort of straight male decision maker versus like a woman choosing to do it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, yeah, so um, in the show notes, we're actually gonna have links to a couple of different articles. Uh, Gadget did a really good interview with um, the creator um, uh, that um, and and uh, the technical director. We'll also link to the uh, the letter that uh, Laura DiCarlo 
uh, wrote. So we'll have links on that in the show notes. Right. Um, and, and just to be clear, the, the founder and CEO, her name is Laura Haddock, and the technical director is Lola Vars, who has a PhD or is, um, you know, in process for PhD in design focused mechanical engineering. And, you know, I think in one of the links, we'll include a link to the team page and like they have pretty serious backgrounds. And the interview that you're referring to, Christina, like talks about like, just from a pure tech perspective and a manufacturer perspective, like how they prototype these things and how do you manufacture it? And it just, I mean, just from a geek perspective, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely check that stuff out. All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Fracture. So Fracture is one of our favorite companies and you can take your favorite images and print them directly onto glass for you to display in your home. Um, they make the perfect thoughtful gift. Uh, listeners to the show have made their own walls of fractures. Brianna Wu, we got you a fracture for your campaign. I'm looking at it right now. It's right in front of me. It's awesome. It's hanging right here in my office and it's this giant uh, sign that says Brianna Wu 2020. Yep. So Fracture is the company that will take your favorite images and then they're going to print them directly onto glass. So instead of just having like a, a, th- a thing on your wall that's like a printed image, it's on glass. So it looks super cool. They make a perfect gift. They are handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. source materials. And they've got like sleek, frameless designs that go with any decor. And uh, they even include a wall hanger. The ordering is super simple. You basically pick out what image you want. You pick out what size you want. And it'll show you what it'll look like. You can kind of see what it'll look like on your wall. Like I said, it even comes with a wall hanger. It's a completely fuss-free experience. Um, and it's a, a green company that is, is carbon neutral. And they are lovingly referred to that refer to their uh, factory as their fractory. And um, I have to say, like, I've, I've, I've placed a, a number of different uh, uh, fracture orders over the last few months because of our, our listener, Kevin, and, and, and for Brianna. And it's been really easy uh, to use. And the, the photos that I've seen when I've ordered these as gifts have, have come across really great, uh, which is always a good thing, right? Because if you order something like this and you you pick out your image, like you want to it to look good. And uh, Brie, we actually custom created that image for you. If you can maybe like oh. describe what it looks like, because I actually I actually lovingly made that in Photoshop. Did you? Oh I my did. gosh, you did the blending very yes. well around the, around the little sw- like the Nike swoosh in it. So it's on white, like it's kind of a, a, a tempered white background with a very slow gradient at the top, like red to kind of whitish on the bottom and it's i mean it's just really bold it's it's absolutely beautiful like it's this it's this basically inverse of my logo which is kind of this uh you know it's blue on white normally and Christine inverted that for me. Yes, yes, I did my best. I like looked on your website to try to like find the right logo font. Like it was a whole thing. I, I never, oh I, I, we've never told you this, but like it was a whole thing that we wanted to make it like look as good as possible. So, <laughs> oh um, my gosh. Uh, um, but uh, yeah. Um, in um, if you want to get started with, with, with fracture and 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 send your own fractures out to your loved ones or. or you know, have your own decor, uh, maybe use the, the rocket, uh, logo to, to decorate your apartment. Like our, our listener Kevin did, um, which was awesome. You can <laughs> go to fractureme.com slash rocket to get started and see how sleek fractures look and you'll get 15% off your first order. So that's fractureme.com slash rocket. Open it in your browser now, get 15% off and, uh, uh send us uh, on social media. Um, if, if you, uh, if you, order fractures send us uh, links to your picks and we'll we'll share yeah. those because we love to see we'll how see people that. decorate their stuff uh whether you're using podcasts or anything else you know uh, uh you know just 
we want to know what, what you're creating because they're super cool. And we would like to thank Fracture for their support of Rocket and Relay FM. Can I say something about Fracture? Yes. Um, I'd like to also personally vouch. Uh, and, you know, this is real because, you know, <laughs> I would even come in as part of a sponsor thing. But I was using Fracture uh, before today's episode. And um, several of my friends have commented to me. Uh, they appreciate the, the Fracture gifts I've sent them of photos oh. of our, you know, uh, I actually pulled a photo from a Halloween from 2011 uh, and uh, sent that to uh, some close friends of mine. And they were surprised and delighted. And I've, ta- I've um, taken wedding photos and turned them into Fractures for friends in Seattle. Oh. And uh, it's, it's, it's a really great gift. Um, and and per what Christina said, it, they have a very good, smooth uh, user experience, and they just make the whole process super easy. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So moving on from some controversy, but good product stuff to some controversy, bad product stuff. Uh, your location data is being sold by telecom people. Straight up. Like uh, Motherboard did this report, and basically they're, they were able to hire like a, a bounty hunter uh, to to track their phone for three hundred dollars, three hundred for for three hundred dollars, basically, uh, uh, you know, um, a bounty hunter um, could locate uh, someone's phone on a T-Mobile Sprint or AT and T. Um, although Verizon's not even completely out of the woods here, too, it seems like they're probably selling some location data as well. Um, uh, Joseph Cox of Motherboard uh, did this story, and I was pretty horrified to see just how much information um, the the telcos are selling about their customers, especially when you consider how much money we pay in the United States for, you know, um, cell service. Um, you know, we were talking about the the TVs spying on you before, and obviously that's problematic, but in some ways I'm more okay with that because with Nielsen boxes and tracking of other things, like advertising is an inherent part of television. So even though I might not like it, if it's not disclosed to me, I kind of understand that like viewing profiles are a thing and have been a thing since literally the inception of the industry. But when I pay for a service and I pay a lot of money for a service that has my location data, that has everything about where I am, that can be used to track me and other stuff, um, that can also be kind of a security thing because it, it knows where I am. Not super chill with the the phone carrier um, selling that information and that information being so easily accessible by by people like this, what do you guys think? I, th- I think it's 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 deeply deeply concerning. You know, we talk a lot about privacy and you know how much we love Apple with that, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like what software you use to mask your location or what you know kind of uh, you know like software you use to send iMessages, make sure people can't spy on you if the telecom is just going to sell it. And what really terrified me, just to give listeners a little bit of uh, background on this, you know, the way that they did this story is it was a bounty hunter that they paid $300 to this bounty hunter and then they had a back channel with the telecom company and basically located this person. I want for you to imagine this in domestic abuse situations. I want for you to imagine this in stalking situations. Um, this is a real public endangerment um, situation. It's being sold for pennies. So um, I think that if, 
like I think these telecoms need to come forward. They need to explain how the state is getting out there. But I think they've opened themselves up to tremendous legal liability. That's my read on it. No, completely. And I think what's also interesting, too, is, you know, this was using a bounty hunter. This was not. So, you know, bounty hunters in the United States, for people um, who are listening outside the United States who might not know, in most cases, these are not law enforcement agents. Um, sometimes they're former law enforcement, but they are they are not members of law enforcement who um, are usually contracted out by uh, jails and, and by bail bondsmen yep. to to find people who, um, you know, have are, are, are have some sort of a, a bail violation. So they didn't appear at court. There was something else. And they go and and bring those people in and then get um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the bail fee, you know, that was kind of set aside. Um, and uh, um, Dog the Bounty Hunter is kind of a exa- good example, but it's, it's a pretty profitable business. But again, I, the reason I keep pointing out that these, even though they might be former law enforcement, that these are not part of law enforcement is because a lot of the tools that they're accessing are things that law enforcement does use. And I think you can sometimes make the case, I'd love to get uh, uh, both of your takes on this. I think you can sometimes make the case, although I'm much more reticent to make it, but I think you can sometimes make the case that with a warrant and with other information that maybe certain information should be accessible to law enforcement. Oh, of course. But, but, yeah. but I'm, I have a big problem with these sorts of, uh, you know, low-level tools that are being, uh, that are able to take place, A, without a warrant, and B, that are accessible to people who are not in law enforcement. Oh, absolutely. If you're not going before a judge and showing probable cause, I mean, you know, get the get get a judge involved. I'm fine with that. But like, let's this isn't this isn't that. And I also have to say, when I covered crime, I you know I went down to the prison every single day. I got to know bail bondsmen. I got to know all the people involved with that. And I mean, these are not. I mean, I don't want to denigrate a whole profession, but this isn't, these aren't people that have been trained to have a high degree of like professional judgment. Like this isn't a profession with like a, you know, a series of ethics that you're held to that you can like be disbarred from. That's just not the profession. And I think it's just immensely troubling. Like I want to know how this is happening. Right. Yeah. What do you think about this, Jeff? Um, Two things. Uh, first of all, I agree with everything both of you have said, but I really like what you said, Brianna, because so often when you talk about, or when one talks about these complex technical issues, it's easy for casual users or people who aren't into tech to to feel like it's it, it's not connected with their lives. But you gave very clear um, pers- uh, examples for, for how it impacts individuals' lives, you know. Um, it's very concrete thing to say, hey, you know, I feel uh, unsafe because of stalkers or because of uh, exes or if, uh, you know, uh, 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 I've been a domestic abuse survivor or something like that. And to know that your personal information, that you've gone to so much effort to try to get away from dangerous situations that could be for sale to the highest bidder for, and the highest bid only needs to be a few hundred dollars. That's just, you know, uh, it's it's it seems both unethical and um and I don't know the law but it should be illegal it seems to me. So I think it's very important to try to connect that to actual people's lives and why this isn't just uh, something for uh, people focused on civil liberties to care about but this is like a very real impact for people who can potentially be very vulnerable and that that's one thing that makes it truly terrible. The yeah. the, the second thing it made me think of is uh so this is an excellent motherboard article uh that uh, what was it that uh, Joseph, Joseph Cox. Cox wrote. And there's a diagram in this article, and we'll link to it, that shows the link. Now, 
the original telco in this particular case is T-Mobile. And, you know, we can talk a follow-up that uh, the CEO of T-Mobile has spoken out about this a little bit. But uh, the article also makes uh, goes to pains to talk that it's like AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, all of them can be implicated in this. But the interesting thing is, to be clear, there um, – and you and both of you made this clear, but I'm going to reiterate. You, and the diagram shows that the bounty hunters don't just grab it directly from the T-Mobiles of the world. In fact, it goes through these intermediaries and some of it sounds a little shady. So T-Mobile sends the data to a company called Zumigo uh, and then uh, Microbuilt has an API access or some sort of way of getting the data from Zumigo. And then Microbuilt has um, this sort of excuse about how they make the service to different people, including law enforcement. But then when you call them on, they say, oh, well, you know, uh, what, what, what I begin to see is there's like this sort of chain of Custody, and then the more complex this ecosystem is, the easier it is to deny responsibility. And I feel like we've seen this in other parts of the industry. You see, and you know, I I, I have a lot of experience in marketing and digital marketing. There's this entire digital advertising ecosystem. Uh, they call it ad tech or marketing tech, right? And so often we hear about the Facebooks and Googles of the world and what they do with data. But meanwhile, there's like literally hundreds of companies that are just gathering all this data uh, and reselling it on these third-party ad networks and, and all this stuff. Some of it is legit and above board and legitimate, and some of it is super shady. <laughs> and right. And part of the, 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 I mean, as bad as it is in a way when like uh, our, our economic fates are in the hands of a few large uh, companies, it's almost, there are other downsides to having this web of companies that, where there's a lot of deniability and shell companies. So it actually reminds me of one other thing, which is, um, uh, you know, the financial crisis of 2008, where there were these complex financial products that different organizations could just shuffle off to each other. So it wasn't the first person who was sent originating the mortgage loan, but they could send those loans over to these packages and send them to investment banks and send them to other institutions. And they would slice up the risk and turn them into, you know, um, synthetic, like synthetic uh, financial instruments, like, like, you know, collateralized debt obligations and all this other stuff that, you know, you should watch the big short <laughs> or read uh. it, but it's, it's a similar thing where there's this opacity and, you know, I think in our country, we have a libertarian streak that criticizes government and thinks that government can't do a good job. But the thing is that I think some of the times that where government falls down is because the tasks ahead uh, uh, in front of them is really large. And it's a really challenging thing to do regulation well. But just because it's hard does not mean that we should give up. And this is where there's a role, I think, for a strong public uh, oversight on this sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Completely. Well, one thing I kind of want to point out, and obviously it's still early days on this because this story was posted uh, uh, on uh, a Tuesday as we record this, but I remember when there was the Carrier IQ scandal about seven years ago, and that was basically a, a third-party company, and it was installed on by, by certain mobile carriers um, on um, their devices, and it basically was analytics, and it, and, you know, and, and it was you know maybe, maybe tracking people's location, it was doing other stuff, and it was like straight-up ad tech, which is what you were talking about be- beforehand, uh, Jeff. Right. And the reason I remember this is because I went on TV a ton to talk about what it was, why it was bad, um, how people could, you know, uh, prevent if it was there or not, if they could. But it was one of those things that the, the networks went crazy over. Like I was, I was on TV a bunch of times for that. I haven't seen this hit the mainstream at all, and I don't know if it's because um, politics has saturated everything. Um, or what, but this to me is so much more insidious than what Carrier IQ was, like genuinely. Like this is being able to, with a web app, geolocate your phone if you give somebody a phone number 
right? Like this is this is way worse than 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 you know a, a third party ad tech company, you know, being able to 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 look at trends and whatnot. Um, and this isn't getting that sort of pickup, and and that I think is a problem too. I don't know. If, again, like I said, I don't know if it's because we're also fatigued by the political news that that's you know sucking the oxygen out of everything, or if we become so fatigued by privacy scandals that we just come to expect the fact that third-party companies with access to telecom data are selling tools that will do geolocation stuff to people who aren't even members of law enforcement who don't have a warrant and can literally find out where you are, which, you know, is terrible implications for everyone. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't say it better. On. Yep. Perfectly said. All right. So we'll have links to, to this uh, story uh, in um, in the show notes. But... All right, this has all been a downer. So I feel like we need some. Re- I feel like we need some really, really, really good dessert. Yes, please. All How about right. critiquing Kendall Jenner? How does yes. that sound? Yes, yes. <laughs> Have a Pepsi, Christina. Oh my God, <laughs> this is where if if, uh, if we wouldn't be worried about um you know the the, the licensing and stuff, we would play uh a, a, an audio clip of that a wonderful Kendall Jenner Pepsi <laughs> ad right now uh you know where she uh joins the, the the protest for happy things and then gives the cop a pepsi and everybody cheers the choice uh, of a new generation and to be yeah, clear exactly. pepsi is not a sponsor of this today's episode no they are not no they are not uh and and neither is proactive or uh kendall jenner but uh, uh kendall jenner um her mom uh the uh i have to i have to give chris jenner credit she really does know how to market everything yep. Yep. Uh, they built up this big thing of saying you know, Kendall Jenner is going to come forward and share something really, really uh, difficult about herself and something that's been really private that she's been struggling with. And it's going to change things and you're all going to look at things differently. And she's so brave and so courageous. And I'm just really proud of Kendall for doing this. And of course, oh. everybody's like, even though you know at the end that it's going to be like a scam, like you're like, all right, what is this really? You know, it's a setup. I was still shocked by what this was a setup for, which is basically the revelation that, that Kendall Jenner, who, according to Forbes, uh, is the highest-paid supermodel. Keep in mind, she does not actually walk on the runway because, <laughs> A, she's um, not a good walker, and and she's just – she's not – and also, if we're, if we're honest, she's a very pretty girl, but, like, I don't think she has, like, runway model, like, for that type of thing, like, look. But she doesn't walk on the runway. She's, she comes to stage fright, but she gets paid so much money for her other editorial campaigns. Highest-paid model in the world. Makes more than twice what, like, the number two person makes, right? Um, is a uh, – so somebody who's literally making tens of millions of dollars a year off her looks um, wants us all to know that uh, when she was uh, 14, she suffered from acne, y'all. <gasps> no. Oh. Oh, my God. Yep. I feel like I've just been ripped out of the current timeline, Christina, and right. I'm in an alternate universe. I feel like... I can't believe in anything anymore. I know, I know. So, so um, it, she she shared this uh, really horrific news that as a teenager she had pimples, um, and, and uh, it's not just it, horrific; it's just so surprising and rare. Yeah, I mean, it really never happens to anyone. I certainly know no one who's this happened to. And so she uses everyone's favorite, uh, you know, um, uh, TV uh, sponsored um, uh, a skin regimen. Proactive is uh, she's now the face of Proactive. And so she's going to give us all the courage to to order, um, you know, skincare stuff through the television. Okay, so just as a point of fact, what I thought was so amazing about this is after this came forward, and people were like, really, 
Really? We're to believe that Kendall Jackson uses proactive, like the infomercial thing. Kendall, Kendall, I'm sorry. I'm so tired. It's okay. It's okay. (gasps) Yes. Kendall Jenner uses the same thing from the infomercial to like fix her skin. No. So they started (laughs) going through her, her former quotes and found like where she was talking about going to the same, like this rock star dermatologist who used like a laser on her skin to quote unquote cure it. And it's just like, it's not even true, right? Right. And like, look, to be clear, people who suffer from cystic acne, like it's a real thing and it oh, can be absolutely. and it can be devastating without a doubt. And I and I think that treatments, if they work for you, no matter who makes them, that's awesome. But for them to pretend like Kendall's acne, which let's be clear, was not that bad from all the images that we've seen. Um, and usually when people have had like the really horrific acne stuff, they show those in like the before pictures. And hers is just like, yeah, okay. Like, and... Um, but like you said, the, the past quotes are that she went to because look, Chris Jenner is her mother, and Chris Jenner is like, look, I'm going to make money off this girl's face. Right. We're taking you to a really good dermatologist. We're going to yeah. get you the laser treatments. We're going to do everything we can. We are paying you some Los Angeles dermatology, you know, money, which let's be real, is like super expensive, and like nothing is proactive or anything like it. But come on, guys, like again, that's like the infomercial product. Yeah, yeah, that. But that that's what Kendall Jenner uses uh, to to keep her okay. Like, so I have a bit of a hot take here, and I'd like to hear what you have to think about it. I actually don't think – I don't blame Kendall Jenner in this instance because, you know, tons of people, uh, you know, sponsor products and, you know, she got to deal with proactive, etc. I think the criticism in this case really comes more to her mom, Chris Jenner, because – she just hyped it up so much, and per what you're saying, Christina, she's you know she's very good. I mean, they, they built this multi hundred million dollar empire off of you know this uh, reality shows and stuff like this. So Chris Jenner knows how to market, but I think she just overstepped because the way she did it the day before with this sort of like surprise reveal, like oh uh, my daughter Kendall is going to have this big uh, you know uh, announcement tomorrow, it really made it seem like she was you know. Like you said, like you didn't really think she was going to come out of the closet or like talk about some, you know, uh, 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 t- uh, unfortunate chronic condition or something like that. I mean, I guess it is a chronic condition of a sort. Um, but then it made it seem like, you know, we're going to connect and this is going to be such a personal, vulnerable thing. And then for that to switch to not just a commercial endorsement, but also something that, you know, Many people, maybe even most teenagers, have faced with. I think it was that gap that yeah. that really like spurred the oh, Twitter yeah. backlash. No, totally, and I agree with you. I think Chris Jenner is definitely more to blame for this than Kendall. But I'm not really willing to give Kendall like a pass on this, just because like again, we, we we were joking about the Pepsi thing earlier. Girl has been through this before. Like this yeah. is not her first rodeo with like a bad sponsorship. Fair, but at the same time, I'm also like you know the Kardashians are the ones who promote the the laxative tea. With no shames, with like no shame at all. You know what I mean? Like, so part of me was like, this is a really down market brand for her to be representing. And part of me is like, eh, no, Kim does the 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 booty. Like, you know, they all do it. Like Kylie right, seems right. to be the only Kylie seems to be the only one who's like I bet Kylie would be like, no. They'd be like, Kylie, yeah. do Kylie's like, I'd be above this. Which is really funny if you think about it, because I mean 
there are, you know, obviously there are different um, tiers of modeling, like, you know, couture and runway versus like catalog and such. But like, as you said, Kendall is so highly paid. And despite what you said about her uh, runway, uh, you know, walking skills, like she's at like this elite level. I mean, if she right. chose, she could just represent like the the most sort of like, you know, she, she doesn't have to do the money grab. No, she has an Estee Lauder contract. Like she ha- like the most elite beauty brand in the world. She has an right. Estee Lauder contract, right? Like so, right. you're like really? I mean, which to me then just like this is just maybe nosy. I like want to know how much proactive is paying her. <laughs> like you know <laughs> to what me, I mean? It's the it's the hypocrisy of it oh, all completely. that really gets me because like look, I'm not a Kardashian basher. I think the family in ge- in general is held to some really sexist double standards, right? That like when women are out there and they're making money, like it's somehow evil or, you know, or shallow. I'm not, I'm not a fundamental like Kardashian basher, but I think it's so telling that like you have a family where Chloe like has taken her face as a loose suggestion and has had so much plastic surgery. She doesn't look anything like she looked like a decade ago. And like, they are the number one perpetuators of like unrealistic beauty standards. And then like Kendall is like, Oh, and it just made me feel so horrible because I had acne. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of your family's thing, like this whole this whole industry. <laughs> right, so, I was going to say, I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, well, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, I've always kind of felt a little bad for, for Kendall and Kylie because, like, they are the only two who didn't ask to be part of any of this. Yeah. They were, like, eight and nine when the show started. So they genuinely have, like, no say in any of the things that are, you know, you know what I mean? Like, the reality show stuff, like, they were yeah. not, they, they were not able to, to be part of it. But also, like, at a certain point, you got to be like, okay, but you've chosen to continue to to kind of perpetuate this. I don't yeah. know. Courtney's my favorite Kardashian because I love her. Yeah, she she's she, the she, she she she's the smartest, but also she's just like whatever. I'm just gonna like be the chill Kylie mom and do whatever. I also very much like Kylie, even though I like worry about Kylie. Um, uh, I I I like Kylie There's a lot very going much. On with that girl right now. There, well, but also like boss. Like just saying, yep. like, like she's yep. making it, she's making it rain. But Kendall bores me, and so I have to say, even this controversy is boring. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, way, like way to live up to to your reputation, Kendall. Like, you know. But also, I'm I'm with you, Bree. The controversy is just I don't know between this and the Pepsi thing. I just I want somebody to like, I, but the Pepsi gifs, just any excuse I can use to like use a Pepsi. Uh, Jeff is is a good one for me. <laughs> she's she's train wreck Kardashian. Like, yeah, you know, no, when it comes like, to her sponsorships, it's yeah, like she's just like the bad choices. Yeah. It's like yeah. what are you doing? Consistently bad choices. So All she's right. going to be like out there doing a sponsorship for uh, Gavin McInnes. Soon. Oh <laughs> like, my god! Yeah, no, no, or, 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 constant bad choices. Uh, yeah. She's she, she's gonna she's gonna uh, uh, represent Movie Pass. <laughs> i feel like that's before, a full rocket circle there right before we end the show christina i want to say you were tweeting this week and you were like my favorite tech product and then i was like i was like oh you're gonna be talking about movie pass and it was github and yeah. i was so disappointed <laughs> in that i felt cheated i know Warren. i know well that's because github actually launched a a, a, a pricing decision and like a, a feature decision that was good whereas you know like <laughs> movie pass continues to be a disaster apparently they got rid of the latest news is they got rid of their hr team 
Um, <laughs> and, and then their head of product quit because they had like this really gross dude as like an advisor who was like harassing people. And they're like, oh, no, he's fired. And then it turns out that he was like on this yacht. This is a company, by the way, that is like near bankruptcy. And they're having like business meetings on yachts while they're like asking people to, you know, like, oh, payroll's late. But but business was done on the yacht. And so, like, the head of product apparently, like, wrote some, wrote some scathing memo that Business Insider obtained. So that's oh just your God. weekly uh, movie pass drama update. But, oh yeah. God. yeah. Um, I it, can't wait for the movie. I know. Movie the pass, movie pass movie, movie is going to be really oh. good. It, oh, I mean, God. honestly, if movie pass were smart, like, that would be the next movie that they would, like, produce yeah. themselves. Because that yeah. might actually make them some money. Yeah. No, I agree with that. <laughs> All right. So what is everybody up to this week? Jeff, what are you doing? Oh, uh, actually, I am going to be coming up to Seattle next week uh, for PodCon, uh, uh, a, a podcasting um, conference. So if anyone is there, look me up. Um, and uh, I'm happy to talk podcasts as a listener and maybe something different uh, to be announced. Woohoo. Brianna, what about you? Christina, I'm working my butt off on this campaign. I am so exhausted. We are adding staff to our campaign right now, and it means going through resumes. And, you know, like one of the things you learn of politics is there is a, there's like an insider industry within the insider industry. And I spent all day today in boardrooms downtown talking to the people that got like Patrick Duvall and Elizabeth Warren elected. So um, it's been a really stressful couple of days and I'm looking forward to getting more than four hours of sleep tonight. Uh, other than that, we are adding staff and uh, I'm going down to DC hopefully next week. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be um, participating in Hack Washington this weekend, which is a hackathon that takes place at the Space Needle. So that's kind of cool, right? Like, uh, I've been to a lot of hackathons before, but I've never been to one at a location as cool as the Space Needle. So um, in the very unlikely event that that anybody from this uh, is, is going to be at that hackathon or whatever, uh, and you see me, be sure to say hello. Um, but otherwise, just uh, doing some uh, some work stuff, doing some um, it, uh, finalization on some, some talks that I have coming up and that sort of thing. So... Um, that's uh, that's what I'm up to. So if you go to the Science Fiction Hall of Fame, which is right next to the Space Needle, uh-huh. uh, I'm 90% sure my husband's work <gasps> is still in there. So. Okay. Oh, well, that's actually really good because I will, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like, hackathon's like an all-day thing, right? And yeah. it was two days, and I'm probably going to need, like, breaks. So... Yeah. I will do my best to do that. And then it's if so I, funny. You could see like Neil Stevenson, like, you know, Neil Stevenson, yeah. right? Like, uh, Seven uh, Snow Crash. Yes. Yeah. He writes and Diamond books Age, one of my favorite books. I love Diamond Age. That's my famous book, favorite book, too. But after that, he became so famous that no one can edit his books anymore. So he has the first book in the Baroque cycle, and you can see like the original manuscript to it. It's literally just like a foot and a half high of pages that he wrote on typewriter. It's like, God bless you, Neil Stevenson. That's that's all I love brand. it. I so, love it. All right. So I'll have to check that out. All right, Jeff, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find my website at www.mindscale.ai. And you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Wang, J-E-F-F-H-W-A-N-G. All right. And Brianna, what about you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Brianna Wu. You can find me on Facebook under developer Brianna Wu. If you want to support uh, improving the policies that we talked about today on Rocket, you can do that at supportbrianna.com. All right. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at film underscore girl. And you can find the videos that I make at work, including a video that I recorded last week where I'm wearing like the best hoodie of all time um, at uh, youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.